Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast, where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show to really um, tie up the better plot or tie up loose ends <laughs> for that does Martok like uh Rami or Ferengi's loose ends that was needed to be tied up. <laughs> yeah, that's what this is, episode is mostly about. Um yes, uh anyways, my name is Wade Bowen and with me as always is James Nolan. Um you're loitering in my spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh Get the fuck! I'm moving and making way over here. For also, we have Hugh Crawford. Hey, how are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all right, but this guy over here tells me that I'm in a space, and uh, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> oh, okay, I was a little tense about standing up to you, but uh, <sighs> so yeah. All right, that was the B plot in a pl- short in little. A, uh, <laughs> we did a short little play to teach you what the B plot was. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, the A plot here ties up this whole one of the whole overarching arcs of Star Trek in the Berman era. The Maquis. This wraps up those loose ends. What's the deal with the Maquis and also Eddington, right? It's, yeah, wraps up Eddington. Yes, we're talking about an episode called "Blaze uh, of Glory." Yes, what? this is episode twenty-three of season five. And it is called Blaze of Glory. If I was naming it, I would name it uh, Corn as Sweet as a Baby Smile. That's what I would name this episode. The IMDb description. Do you still have my loony? Do you still have my loony? Okay. I would call this one Looney Tunes. We're going to unpack all this. Driven to desperation by the Dominion, the Maquis launch a massive bioweapon strike against Cardassia. Cisco must trust the traitor Eddington to try to stop them. I felt like I watched this episode and I, I feel like we've had this. I thought like Eddington again. Um, <laughs> this is a good episode that I hate. I think. I think oh, really? Yes. This is, uh, well, this is, I should have known that, like, that you wouldn't. Uh, yeah. We know. You, is it a good episode though? I, 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 actually, I think it is. Yeah. Well, uh, I think right. it closes the door on the Maquis rather well. I think it does too. I, I was gonna say, is this the best Maki? No, well, I don't. I, not the best Maki episode. You know what it was? It, it's not the worst either. To me, it felt like it. That's the famous line from Sailor Moon, where somebody <laughs> disappears, and he's like, "My job here is done." And, and Sailor Moon <laughs> says, oh, "You didn't do anything." <laughs> right. <laughs> like I think that like they, they ended the Maki as empty and confused as they brought him in. Right. You know, like that's a good way to put it. The did we ever unpack on the last episode real quick? I just for my sake and the sake of our listeners, the last Michael Eddington episode, did the three of us unpack what exactly is wrong with Michael Eddington as a character? Have we done that before? Or have I just done that a thousand times? I mean, we usually get into arguments about what is wrong with the Maquis as a concept. <laughs> But we'll probably do that. Here. Okay. Well, I want to. I want to get into. I. I finally watching this episode. I finally figured out what I hate about Michael Eddington as a character, and I think it's because he wasn't interesting ever until he turned traitor, and then we were supposed to think he was interesting, but he keeps on going on about these things that Cisco's not. Like mm-hmm. we never oh, yeah. for a he, minute. His, he he really doesn't seem to understand Cisco at all, and he's like, "I know you, Cisco." <laughs> he doesn't understand Cisco at all, and he keeps on yeah. saying this stuff. And and the show gives him the airtime, yeah, like yeah. uninterrupted airtime, to spew all the shit that is fundamentally untrue about Cisco. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just waiting there. You're just like a toady waiting to get your admiral's pips. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, like, he was a guy that was going to quit. Like, yeah. That's nothing about like, yeah. Like, yeah. Does anything about the Cisco and what he does uh, make him look like a careerist? Like at all? Like, I don't know. But well, it's um, just like if, 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 if like the wallpaper in Quark's 
Barr all of a sudden became a villain. I mean, that's what it, Michael Eddington is. If, if the wallpaper in Quark's bar all of a sudden became Quark's worst enemy and then always got shit wrong about Quark, that's what Michael Eddington is. He was the so fucking wallpaper. Yeah. Here's oh, the, here's a, here's, no, no, you're fine. Like, here's a quote. This, this, obviously, the show is, uh, the showrunner is Iris Stephen Bayer, has been since the third season, uh, which is about the time that Michael Edmonton was brought on board, uh, as a character. And this episode specifically was written by Iris Stephen Bayer. So let me read you a quote. Or it was uh, written by Robert Hewitt Wolf and yeah, Iris Stephen Bayer. Bayer. Story let me read you, story a, let me read you a quote. This is Iris Stephen Bayer reflecting back on Michael Eddington. Uh, years later, quote, I still haven't figured him out. Are we supposed to like him? Do you like, do you not like him? Was he good, bad, a pain in the ass? I'm just not sure. That was your job, buddy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, right. this is on you. Yeah. This is, I think, yeah. Like, he, it sounds to me like he was more of a Robert Hewitt Wolf creation than Irish well, Bear. But I, I think that, like, they just, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I think that maybe you, okay, is he a, What's his actor's name? Kenneth Marshall. Kenneth Marshall. Right? So he's Kroll. His <laughs> Kroll. Yeah, I don't know. Kroll. That's his name. And he was in other stuff. And like he was sort of like a hot shit actor in his day. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he was, was like an up and coming. <laughs> yeah. Like I think like yeah. So he was uh, like like who's that actor who played the Wolfman in the vampire movie with the with the Kristen Stewart? <laughs> Like that guy oh, the was guy, supposed... the, the guy that looks like an alpaca. Yeah, sort of. He does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks exactly like an alpaca. He was supposed to be a big name actor, and they put him in movies, and he was the lead in movies. And then right, he just... and then everybody realized he looked like an <laughs> alpaca. Nobody could take him seriously anymore. So, so, he, so it's like if the show brought on that guy now, because yeah. you know it's about ten years later from that guy not having a career. So it's like if a show brought that guy on, and then I feel like maybe they felt like they were, like they brought him in for nothing, for like a dumb role, right? Right. Like in, in episode three, and then they're like, well, we got to pay him off. And so they made like I, I just think that like it each time they just did the thing they were supposed to do for that episode uh-huh. and it never really like built together into like a major character. No, I think most of the character work for Eddington was done in the final two episodes he appeared in. Like when he But that's the, some of the, the worst uniform stuff. and this one are are the like that's where you get Eddington gets to play like i think he's good in this episode i think he's really good in for the uniform but before that like he's yeah he's just kind of wallpaper but i think for the uniform's a good episode a great episode yeah yeah um, it we, is and and that's when i would was ready to be done with him but i feel like this season we've we, this is the season of we've got really good stuff but in in marbled in with it is sequels to episodes that nobody asked for sequels for <laughs> see there's there's some stuff in this episode well but i think the the tying up the the Maquis plot, which most of the Maquis stuff ha- has already happened, and it's all the Maquis story is mostly ended in the background, and they talk about what happened with the Maquis because the writers, I guess, didn't weren't that interested in it. So it's like they talk about the Maquis and this, like, oh, this stuff happened, but it didn't happen on screen. It's only referred to. And, sure. I mean, I like how they did the Maquis, and I like the treatment of it in this episode, but it is weird that it did not really happen on screen. Yeah. It even wastes like a pretty clever plot reveal, like that. It was all like a big scam, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then it, then it gets confusing because they actually are under siege. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was a big scam? The Maquis was a big scam? No, the, the whole, the point of this episode that there was no, that there were no missiles fired, that it was all bullshit. That that reveal. I, for a second there, I thought that maybe I missed something like the Maquis was selling Amway. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) that's what it was really about. There wasn't a weapons depot. It was just a storage space full of makeup and vitamins. <laughs> and they tell Cisco, look, look, all yeah. you have to do is sign four of your friends and then they will right. go sign four of their friends. All of it kicking up to you. Right. Right. That, that, I, that's all. <laughs> I'm like, this is another one of those episodes that I forgot about entirely. I thought for the uniform was the last Eddington episode. Isn't that all you need to know about this episode, though? No, but but I was going to say, but there's some even if maybe I don't know. I like this episode a lot. I think I thought it was a good episode. I thought 
the reveal, the ending was a little bit, it got a little wobbly as at the end, like as far as like this being a, a great episode by itself, but I liked what it did. And there's some scenes in this episode that are laying the groundwork for arguably the greatest episode. Like what there's some, there's like one or two scenes that are like laying, sprinkling little stuff that gets brought back thematically and arguably what people say is one of the greatest episodes of deep chase nine. This is, this is a, I, I'm going to, I could, I could, I'm not going to argue. This is not a bad, this is a good episode. I, I can yeah. completely agree with you. I just have Eddington fatigue and Maquis fatigue. And I'm <laughs> yeah, glad I, we're I done understand with it. That. Yeah, yeah. I will yeah. say this again. I'll reiterate for people who don't listen to everything that I say in every podcast, um, that the, <laughs> that again, that the Maquis is not a bad idea. It was bad execution. And, right, um, and they even rehash some of the idea, like the idea yeah. of what the Ike is about in this episode. And, and ultimately, I wouldn't say it's perfect either. I, yeah, but it keeps coming back to this concept of like they put so much in Kenneth Marshall. What's his name? Kenneth Marshall. I think that's Whatever. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenneth Marshall's mouth, and they want to say it's specifically in Edding, Let's say Eddington. Let's take the actor out of it because uh, he didn't write his hacky ass lines. Yeah. Um, so they keep putting all of this stuff, but I feel like they don't know what to do. So they just write the arch nemesis dialogue. You're not so different to me and you. Oh my God. Or you're fighting for the system, but I'm fighting for life and humans. (laughs) And look at my wife who just got like, who literally was it was like the wallpaper had a wife married another piece of wallpaper. <laughs> I thought uh, I recognized the wife and I was like, oh, she's from stuff. And then I looked her up. Nope. nope. Gretchen German. Nope. Not at all. She, her first credit on IMDb is like uh, known for DS9. I'm like, yes. what? Was she? Nope. This, <laughs> just this episode. She could have like, been like Admiral thing is Nechev or something. That's yeah. my least. That's one of my, my most hated things in all of storytelling is when the antagonist tells the protagonist that we're just the same you and you and I are just <laughs> the same right. we're not so different you and I we're not right. so different that's so tired and so so worn right. we're trying all to right. put we're all on a continuum you were you know like and then during this whole episode I just I felt like that I don't know if with his dialogue but like I felt like with his mannerisms and his performance that Cisco just wasn't into playing into that like, and I thought that that may be of the thing that gave me comfort is he's just like, stop prattling on, you fucking drama school, like, bonds. <laughs> like, just right, doing, right. we're just trying to get there to here. Like, you don't even have to talk. Yeah. We don't have to talk I mean, in riddles. We don't have yeah. to, like, you know, like. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I like, I like setting up people as foils against one another. But yeah, the hacking, we're not so different, you and I. We're not so different. Yeah, do we want to break? Do we want to just work through this thing? Or I mean, I don't want to spend time on everything, but there's like some good scenes. Yeah, well, I mean, it opens with dinner with squid and two grub puree with nog. Well, that's just the a plot with nogs. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, we we kind of covered it in the intro. And uh, yeah, and it shows that uh, that Jake is a xenophobic little shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, Nog's eating our food. You eat some fucking worms, man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he's like, this is good until he, he's told it's tube grubs and then he starts gagging and, and Cisco tells him he needs some meat on his bones because, yeah, Sirak Lofton's a little skinny and lanky. But anyway, and then because the, the Klingons don't respect Nog and he's got a, he's got a little Napoleon complex about it. And Cisco's like, well, he's just got to stand up to him. And he's like, well, I'll get my ass kicked. I was like, well, yeah, but they'll remember you and and then martok comes in and he's like i need to talk to you and then nog is like about to start stepping to martok and cisco who was just seconds before like yeah you know stand up to the cling he's like not now motherfucker <laughs> sit down no, no, no. i like that scene i liked when when it turned serious i like cisco's response to nog's like no sit the fuck down he kind of yanks him when did jake start wearing nothing but vests i mean nothing he, but he vests. Went a vest but well he <laughs> he got a uh uh you know uh, esquire magazine's black book uh fall 2020 whatever <laughs> right and it was all vests and <laughs> the child's onesie went out of fashion when he was yeah. about 15 <laughs> yes this year the bajoran jumpers are out and vests are in. <laughs> vests are in uh yeah Lisa Turtle said, I don't like you in those jumpers. You should wear a vest. And they did ever since. They've got a Maki recording 
of this woman saying, Michael, and then there's a bunch of missiles shooting towards Cardassia. Oh, but then they give the uh, backstory of what happened to the Maquis is that the Dominion came in and joined Cardassia and pretty much wiped them out. And they, they got one message of this woman, Rebecca, saying, Michael, we've got the missiles. They're sending all these missiles to blow up Cardassia, which will spark a war because they've got tricobalt and biogenic weapons and It'll and 30 class 4 cloaks from that they got from the Klingons. And so it's going to pretty much wipe out the, the Cardassian homeworld, except now that they're joined up with the Dominion, the Dominion will take that as an opportunity to go to full-fledged war with the Alpha Quadrant. And, and I got to say, okay, so I'm cool. Like, one thing, there's two parts of this that get confused because IRC Bear's not a clear-headed writer. Um, the first is that it's going to wipe out people and that, that like, that's bad. It's going to be a first strike assault that's going to decimate a planet. So that 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 alone is worth going to do it. But this idea of preventing uh, the Dominion Federation war. What's wrong with that? That's coming, bitches. Like, again, we've argued this before. Like, they're clearly going, something's going to start this. Well, and, so, and they, actually, they actually eventually need something to jumpstart it. Yeah. Right. But, you know... I don't know what to tell you, man. You fight against war. I, I don't see that doesn't. Yeah, but are they actively doing any sort of like, I mean, there's no. It's a last strike genocide, which. No, the, the genocide is the is the thing. But they kept saying but, but, that it's going to start the war. They That was yeah. what they kept saying. And I'm like, anything yeah, is going to start the war. That to me is perfectly fair that the, they don't want to start a war that will cost billions of lives. I'm just saying that they're not going to avoid that. And they know that. And if they're smart enough, they're going to know that. We don't know. Well, you got to do every, even if you think it's inevitable, you got to do everything you want, you can to prevent that kind of thing from happening. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, we know that going forward, the, the war is going to happen and that, you know. Yeah. But I, I just think that like it, in, in foresight, it's pretty clear. Like they're building up a militarized zone. They took over Cardassia. Do you think they're going to be happy with that? What is their whole point is to protect they've annihilated and defect everything that they're going to do. I don't know. At some point you but, are like I know that like the world is full of bullshit Munich analogies, but at some point you are just Chamberlain in Munich trying to like diddle your thumbs and trying to prevent something that needs to be confronted. You want to provide as much time for diplomacy to actually possibly work. But is there active diplomacy? I haven't, that would have been interesting to know. Like, I would like to see, well, like, war talks I with, don't, with way you... No, I guess not. But at the same time, if there's something that's... If you see the Archduke Ferdinand about to get shot mm -hmm. and you can stop that, why don't you stop but that? This, but this is because this is different because that was... It's a faulty analogy because no one is a warring empire, is an invading empire. World War II or Alexander or something like that or Genghis Khan is probably a better parallel because well, you have a I mean, you have an invading empire that's at so, your border. So you're by your own logic, then why doesn't Starfleet just preemptively start a war with them themselves if they see it coming? Because it's a genocidal attack, but you can actually attack uh, military bases or something like that. Uh, and also, I get what not wanting to start the war because. There's a yeah, like Starfleet is predicated on trying to prevent that kind of even conflict from coming about. So you do everything. But, you can. What, but what are you willing to compromise to keep it from going? Giving them Bajor? Um, well, nobody's nobody's saying giving them Bajor yet, though. They're just like wanna, uh, blow up the why, why not? Why not give the Dominion the ability to blow up the wormhole and blow up the wormhole? Well, because they don't want to do that. I don't know. Like you're not, there's nobody's arguing about what to give them yet. That's the thing. So though. I'm saying that there's so that there there is a point that they're I'm just saying I'm just saying when they annexed Cardassia. But they well they didn't well but Cardassia <laughs> asked them to ostensibly. There's it's not like you it's not a Ukraine analogy. A Cardassian. A Cardassian did. I mean And the rest of the Cardassia they're I'm they're it's not like I'm sure a not, French person asked the, the Nazis to come to France. Um, but Cardassia is on board with it. There's not, I mean, other than the, it's it's not like. Because they had the, a military coup. The Nazis installed a French government in France that was pro-Nazi as the Vichy government. So I, I get that. But it, this is, I mean, one, it's a TV show. 
But I mean, I don't want to just throw that yeah. as like just flippantly. I guess I'm just saying that I think that that they come off as dumb when they keep arguing that they're trying to stave off the Dominion. Stop war. a billion a war with billions of casualties. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it doesn't I don't seem know. that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't scan to me as being ridiculous. The billions of casualties being the Cardassians that are going to get hit by the missiles. No, the billions of casualties being even after that they're saying because it's gonna, sometimes it's, you just have to fight a war with you. Sometimes you just have to fight an invader. You just have to fucking fight. Yeah. Them. But you don't, we don't, you don't give ground to like Chamberlain it, but you don't start it either. And you don't just let it happen. I'm not saying that they should start. I'm not saying they should start it, but I'm saying that this bull, that they should be, if an act, if someone started the war, I don't think they need to be scared. That's a bullshit thing. Now you wouldn't want to blow up a planet. That's bad. But the idea of starting a war that's inevitably going to start anyway, I don't give. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, because you're saying it's inevitable, and we know because we're watching the show that's been 25 years ago. We know the war is going to happen, but I don't think it's just in a universe plot point that you have to accept that the war is inevitable at this point. The Civil War was something that clearly just needed to happen long, long before it started. So there's there's wars that just need not all wars, not like us invading Iran. There's a lot of bullshit like sort of posturing on stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But like I'm talking like there's some wars in some situations where it's yeah. it's inevitably I mean, it's going to start. You're, and it- you're right, but this is I mean I guess I am going to say it's just it's a TV show, an episodic TV show. It's not. I mean you can make real world analogies, but. To say that in this episode, they're like, we don't want this war to start that's going to cost billions of casualties feels to me like enough of a talking point to where it doesn't come off to me as ridiculous that they bring that up as a point of why they're trying to do the action that they're trying to accomplish in this episode. It comes off to me like a, maybe it's just the times we live in and specifically this fucking week. Yeah. But it comes off to me like the people that bitch about like when we kick Sarah Huckabee Sanders out of restaurants because she's like a horrible lying bitch then we're just like them and we're you know whatever I just like look the Dominion isn't like fucking covert about what their intentions are they're there for one reason and one reason only right Uh, what are you doing about that well you're shoring up around and you know you know like once they do something the Federation will defend itself and and not cave or pull a chamberlain or anything mm-hmm. but you just don't want that to be based on i guess i'm saying that if the maquis was if going that to, happens you know you you can say it might it's it's likely to happen but every you want to stop you want to do everything you can do from that happen especially it's if it's from some other assholes that you're not even affiliated with doing some shenanigans i guess i'm saying like what if there was a planet that was like a jim hadar holding base and that was where they were holding all of the Jim Hadar and all the Cardassian soldiers. It was a bunch of non-civilian targets. If the monkey shot off a rock, like a bunch of rockets that were going to blow that planet up, I don't know if Cisco uh, like needs to get on a, get on the Defiant. Oh, I mean, I I actually agree with that. Okay, but yeah. I'm just saying that it would start the war, but it's it's also in a you know it's they didn't really start it. They go to a space station from Khan? Is that the Genesis where they made the Genesis weapon? It, that would be cool. They inserted a clip of a space station that was clearly not recent. Ah. <laughs> on, well, on it, was, it was like an old matte painting that they, you know, put some lights on blinking. Uh, well, I think it's a straight clip from like like Rathacon when they where they built the Genesis device. Hold on. The establishment state for the star star base for Eddington is reused stock footage from Regular One Space Station from Wrath of Khan. You're right. I, yeah, nice. right. yeah, right. Yeah, it's like called it because it's like you can see. Man, goes to film stock. Yeah, we can fucking end this podcast right now. That was the coolest <laughs> fucking moment we'll have all day. <laughs> yes. Wait, is Chief Nerd man? Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't even look that shit up. I know <laughs> you. I know you didn't. I know that's like you. That's some. Okay. All right. Well, (laughs) finally, we got our Star Trek bona fides. The nerds that are like, of course it was Rathacon. Yeah. Are like so mad at everything else we get wrong for like two years now. We get the important stuff right. Anyway, he goes to get Eddington because he's the guy that knows things about the Maki. And I liked defeated Eddington. I liked the scene where I liked all the banner with him and Cisco, where it's like, you won and. I used up all my tears. Oh, yeah, the spirit of generosity moves me, Captain, all that shit. I used up all my tears when the Dominion slaughtered the Maquis. Which is, like, a pretty big plot point of the 
meta plot of the Maquis that we just get in flashbacks basically in this episode, or we get in, you know, statements on screen about what happened off screen. Like, okay, oh, the, the, the Dominion slaughtered the Maquis when they took over Cardassia, which totally makes sense that they would do that. But then he's like... I sat here in this cell for three days and listened to the reports as they came in. Casualty reports. Put a pin in that. That's a thematic element that comes back later. And Cisco is like... I heard the same reports. It was a tragedy. So he's giving him the spiel, like, we need help taking out these missiles because we want, don't want a billion people to die in the war. And and then Eglinton is like, I don't give a fuck. All my people are dead. You know, what? so... What do you want to do? Oh, we'll, and we'll pardon you. It's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do what you do in prison. Just nothing. <laughs> then we get some Federation prison. They give you all these counseling sessions, psychic evaluations, and rehabilitation seminars because, you know, I guess they're all about uh, rehabilitating instead of uh, punitive prison systems, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And then we go back to the station where all the B-plot is happening. And Quark and Bashir get their requisite contractually mandated screen time uh, where Morn went crazy and broke into a shrine screaming naked and beat <laughs> Quark with a bar stool because they were talking about the Dominion coming in and taking over the station and wiping it out. And he was riling Morn up who was screaming and wouldn't shut up because that's the end joke with Morn. Yeah, I guess, well, that's the thing is that they're trying to show like how tensions are ratcheting up on the station while having a whole episode that takes place off the station. Right, right, yeah. So that it's checks, just a matter of, checks a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And he's like, it's a matter of time before they start a full-scale assault of the Alpha Quadrant, and we all know that this station is going to be the first thing that the Dominion comes after. And that's what sets Morn off. We cut back to Benjamin Sisko in a runabout. And Kira's like, do you want to take the Defiant out to try to, you know, stop this bomb? These these missiles that you need a launch code and the launch site to be able to stop. And he's like, uh, no, I don't want the Defiant. And he's like, oh, but it's going to be tricky by yourself. And he's like, well, I'm not alone. And yes, he's taking Eddington with him. And then we get the two-person... This episode is mainly just Cisco and Eddington hanging out and having philosophical arguments and with like until they get to fight some Jim and R, right? And this is why I question a little bit about whether this is a good episode or not. I see well, because yeah, we, we have our own arguments about like the what why the Dominion is I don't know. Like a lot of these conversations I felt could be cut for other like elements of the story. I feel like they could be cut because they're nonsense. Yes. And like <laughs> will they be I feel like they're they could be cut be, and like that's basically how Cisco shuts them down at the end of one of them. He's like Say whatever you want. You're speaking nonsense. All these people died because you're you're you know a delusional asshole. And I guess see, I love that scene though. Like, well, and then uh, they have the the replicated food scene. Oh my god, yeah. Which see, replicated entree one hundred three is another argument about the. That's a freaking veiled metaphor for Maquis life. Like they said, uh, for for these episodes, we're gonna have Judd Apatow film them, and and he's just like, just improvise, guys. <laughs> I disagree. No, they're they're trying to talk about like like all our arguments about the why the Maquis is bullshit that you're saying. And yes, they're like, oh, let's try a different tact, and so then they come in with like, oh, the Maquis are all about like growing their own food because. Star Trek especially seems to be like the argument against anything. The Federation is kind of like regressive, like uh, what do you call it? Where with the Cool Hand Luke Cisco episode where he gets put in the box and everything. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And that's, that is that's a, kind yeah, of they bring that they back. Do, they the, do go back to this like crunchy granola sort of bullshit. How, how long, how long? Has Eddington been with the Maquis? Because he's like, do you remember the Thanksgiving dinner you made la- last year? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, I've grown crops with my own fucking hands. I'm like, you haven't <laughs> grown. You've you you've been you were with him at last Thanksgiving. You couldn't have like grown <laughs> right. a whole season. And then he brings up like, you made a personal bin and you came after me. The whole, you know, we would have let it go. And then they bring back. They're just they're doing their work to just try to like cover all their Maquis bases. They try to get a better argument about what the Maquis is about, like growing food and, it was, and, that and it's organic food. food. Which, 
it's, yeah, that, it's, I'm not saying that. I'm, I don't think that's a good argument for the Maki either. They're just trying something else. No, I'm just saying, that, like, finally at this time, like that. Yeah, like so. I think that that's what it was. Is that I knew that this is the last episode that they're in. So I mean, this idea that. <sighs> Yeah, I just yeah, I I approached it all as like it was like a kitchen sink kind of shit. Like what? Let's try to make something out of this bullshit, and they just never. I don't know. See, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was bullshit as much as you do. So I kind of really liked what they did with this episode. Like, I I mean, and a lot of it happens in the background, like of what has happened to the Maki. But that didn't actually bother me because I thought so. The so, scenes- the, so the Maki has value because he loves his wife. And he 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 likes organic food. Well, that's not, I'm not saying that that's my whole point. I think like it's th- a representative. Of, it's trying to show that some sort of way of life is is like more authentic than what the people in the Federation are living. Right. Like and wh- and I think that there's this sort of. But it's always been know. about treaties before then. Well, that's well, what that that's my argument here isn't that this is why the Maquis is great because he doesn't like replicated food. Yeah, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just arguing that like that. I mean, you see the flaws in it. It just seems that you appreciate the flaws more than like. I'm not I, saying I appreciate this that scene. I just appreciate that the work they're trying to put in. But I appreciate later that they bring in Cal Hudson. They're this is where I'm talking do. about. They're they, trying to cover. They, all their, they close all the. They close the door. They turn off the lights. Right, but it's yeah. That guy's not coming <laughs> back here. Yeah, but yeah. It's, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, Cal Hudson. <laughs> right. I appreciate that they did that work, and you know, and I thought the Cal Hudson stuff worked well because like it was personal, and yeah, because it, it really be... did look like it wounded him, and then we got and then he got the closure. Cal Hudson was a good man. He was a good man. He felt the same about you. He thought you were wrong about the Marquis, but he forgave you. Which is ironic, considering you never forgave him. But that's more of the, that's a silly, that's the silly thing, like there are good people on both sides type yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 Cisco could have said, I didn't commit a fucking crime, and Gallatin did. He could, what did he forgive me for? Right, but then at what point is the crime, you know, for doing what he thought was right? But then the other things laying groundwork for stuff that comes out later on thematically where, uh, well, and then there's the whole, you you wanted to lead them to a glorious cause, and where did you lead them? You led them to their graves, and then the whole... They died because you filled their heads with false hopes, sold them dreams of a military victory, when what they needed was a negotiated peace. What they need is a, a negotiated peace, because war is not the answer, <laughs> and sometimes a negotiated peace is not as, it's not as fun, it's not as romantic, but that's the thing that you need to, you know... Not that that is I will give you that that is Cisco saying what I screamed to to death like a year or whatever. Yes, that this is just about this is about peace treaties. This isn't about there wasn't some sort of existential argument that the Maquis now they're trying to make it that it's about, you know, commune living and, you know, and and really good corn. But um, right. Right. Yeah. But it's it's really just about like land ownership, and that was the issue, and that could have been negotiated. You didn't have to become terrorists that quickly. And he's like, you know, and now you're gonna, you got to help me, or else, you know, you're gonna, we're gonna st- start a war with billions of lives. And he's like, and then uh, Eddington gets just like, well, you know, if you can't have victory, sometimes it's good to just settle for revenge. And it's like f- with a billion people dying, and then he says, can you live with that? Not quite the legacy I had in mind. But I can live with it. Can I can live with that? But can you live with that? And and that just as thematic elements that get brought up in better episodes later. Even if I like this one, I just think there's there's little things get dropped here that bring up later. Sure, uh, I I'll give you that. And then and then Eddington has like this like in the on the first watch he has this uncomfortable look on his face like oh I, can I live with a billion people dying and you don't look and at first time you think oh he's conflicted the second viewing where you know we brought it up like the missiles don't exist this is all a plot this is all a double cross mm, right and i was afraid the second viewing that this scene was going to play as dumb because like oh what's he conflicted about but on a second viewing you can even look at his response and instead of his looking conflicted it almost looks like eddington has like a Glancing over at Cisco, I was like, I wonder if he bought it, kind of look on his face, which I don't know. Mm. 
Yeah. So, which is interesting because I was expecting it to like not. It's like, oh well, now I know it's all bullshit. This gravitas of the scene is just kind of over. It's like, but no, they're playing games with each other, you know. And then because Cisco plays games with him later on, with when they have they're in the Badlands and there's these plasma things and the Jim Hadar after him and he just like leaves them. It's like, oh, I'm going to go get a Rectatino because, you know, these replicators make good coffee anyways, even though you hate the food. And there's these two Jim and Hadar after him and Cisco and Eddington is like, what the fuck? They're going to catch us. Like, well, then you got to help me and finally own up. And I because you've been giving me this bullshit about how you're ready to die, but I don't buy it. And so that kind of back and forth kind of worked for me in that that's how they got past the bull for me anyway, it got past the how dumb it is that it's all just washed away when Eddington's like, Oh, none of this was actually a thing anymore. I was playing a long con on you. And so all those scenes between us were just me being a, a douchebag, which Cisco actually gets one in on it. And at least he gets a win. So yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of running in circles. <laughs> Nog just needed to stand up to Martok. <laughs> this was a this was a that the Martok stuff was a little bit lazy and predictable. You knew that like right. you know, like I would have liked to have seen Nog like Cisco's advice be completely wrong and then Nog end up like in a body cast at the end of this. <laughs> nobody That would have been ass. infinitely more interesting than So the reason that uh, the reason that Iris Stephen Bear said they wrote this plot line was so that the fans would know that Martok didn't leave the show after Soldiers of Empire. Okay. <laughs> Which, well, then I, that's a little forgivable. But that doesn't even like was that even open-ended? I, well, I wondered why like I wondered why they had to, if you're going to have if you're going to have Klingons bully Nog, why do you have to have the most important Klingon be the bully? Like, why? Right. It could have just been some rando Klingons. But n- now that you said that, that makes complete sense. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, he's in, the, he's in the bar and he's like, once I get to 70 decibels, I can really go after them for disturbing the peace. And then he falls over at his chair and he's embarrassed. Oh boy! And then later on, he gets to come back and. It is the first time in like a half a year that we've seen Jake, though, isn't it? When's the last? No, we've had Jake stuff. We've had the Jake reporting from war, and then we've had that was like a hundred years ago. That was at the beginning. And then we had no, we had the Jake uh, odd couple episode with Nog and the roommate stuff. That was like in the middle. Yeah, but that was the that that was all the season. It was. I didn't say that. I I just meant like it was. Yeah, like uh, that. It's been like maybe five episodes. This season's a long season. So, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We haven't seen Jake in maybe a good probably seven eight episodes. So yeah, it's been a while. And then so he. He gets him to go guide the ship, and then the Jim Hadar come back after him, and they've got to realign the impulse flow regulators, and almost gets Cisco blowed up because he's got to crawl into a Jeffrey's tube in the back to uh, blow out the plasma thing to blow off the basically an oil slick with fire to get the Jim Hadar off their trail. Yeah, he got he got blown in a back hallway. Right, right. Cisco gets blown in the back hallway. Uh, you know, and then Eddington is like, oh, uh, what a pleasant surprise when he sees that he's not dead. Because you get, there is a sense that like Eddington wouldn't have been so bummed if Cisco did get killed. Well, he just got finished saying the scene before that he's like, when this is all over, you and me are going to have it out. And he's oh, like, yeah, if yeah. it's a fight you want, I'll fucking, I'll fuck you up. And he's like, no. I'm going to kill to you. To kill you, yeah. yeah. Right after so, I get... And he was like, yeah. I, and that's when he talks about his loony and his in the essay office that he wants back. I, I would normally... I feel like I would. I should hate the loony scene, but I don't even really... like. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, my favorite, my, favorite, my favorite stuff in this whole... In this whole episode is Cisco actually just, like, putting on his, like, uh, system administrator hat or, like, <laughs> station administrator hat. He's like, it's in the... Like, like the board bureaucratic knowledge of where everything is on his station. It's in yes. the assay's office. You need to go between the hours of, you know, him. <laughs> him, him yes. That, that is the most interesting. That was like my favorite part of this episode because it, like the minutiae of his, uh, you know, work life sort of pops through a little bit. Yeah. 
And then uh, he was like, he was like, was my loony in there? And he was like, ah, fuck, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Do you think I went through it all? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You think I, I went through it piece by America. piece looking for your lucky loony? I mean, yeah. It's been in my family for 200 years. It's like, all right, it's a fucking coin. Is Kenneth Marshall Canadian? Is that an in joke? Yes. Yeah, so I thought. Yeah, there was lots of, yeah. I, I think that like there's a lot built into his character that is specifically uh, Cana- Canadian. He does he does talk with a very I don't, not Canadian accent necessarily. <laughs> For a villain, he seems very polite. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> and passive aggressive. So yes, yeah. And then back on the B plot, uh, Martok and the Klingons are in Nog and Jake's uh, loitering spot on the promenade, and then. Uh, Jake can't figure out to put how to put a sock on the door when he has a girl over. Oh yeah. And Nog is like, You never get to anywhere past talking and like that's a scurrilous lie. And Jake is like, Well, you only fuck holler sweet people. You haven't been on a date at all. I was like, Well, fuck you, man. And then then he tells the Klingons to piss off and Martok is like, Well, you're either very brave or very stupid Ferengi and he says, Well, maybe both and Mardok has a laugh and says, you're okay, and then walks off. And he's earned their respect at that point. Yeah, so that happens. <laughs> and then the third act, I guess, with between, uh, or third location anyways, between Cisco and Eddington is on Athos 4, where they go into the man-made tunnels. Because, yeah, really? Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely man-made because we've seen these sets like every... <laughs> Third episode of Star Trek ever. For, uh, yeah, for, for the last 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, they get to the station. They're surprised that there's Jim Hadar there. Their Jim Hadar aren't supposed to be there, so they have to snake on and they have to, you and know. And they're chopping on the- corn. The, 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 the two Jim Hadars <laughs> were just like caught unawares while I had a mouthful of it's corn. The, be- <laughs> the best ass fucking corn that you've ever tasted. <laughs> yeah, they grow up themselves in the caves. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Cisco is like, in this fog, how I'm gonna know who to shoot? And I'll be the one holding a pipe. Oh yeah. And uh, shoots. Yeah. They find. They find. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I forgot. Right. <laughs> then there, there's a scuffle, and and then he shoots the second Jim Hadar, and Cisco's like, "How did you know it was me?" He's like, "Well, I knew that you'd be the guy that gets put on his ass." So I got this. So I shot the guy that was still standing. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. This is um. You know, this uh, this banter between them um, is really rewarding because, I mean, you, you look back over the hours and hours and hours of time that we've spent with Cisco and Eddington being friends and feuding and all of this stuff. It's ban- <laughs> like that. That's the that's my I think that's my ultimate problem with this. Is this like 48 <laughs> hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy yeah, right. where you've got the criminal and the cop and the cop needs is this a whole riff on 48 hours <laughs> that would be great <laughs> could i'll be but, the one holding the pipe it's like, whoa whoa well it could be worse i know it could be me holding the pipe yeah that's that, yeah, that's like a, a verbatim dialogue but like i don't like i thought it was fine we didn't but like it, it would be this is the kind of stuff that's rewarding if we spent a lot of time with these people. I mean, it's more rewarding if you spend time with them, sure. But yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I guess yeah. It, it's yeah. it's what we got. It's, it's what it's not it's like game changing. But I thought it was. I thought they did a fine enough job with it. But I mean, yeah, they find Vance, and then it's like you know we were winning the war until the Dominion came in, and and you know the colon the Maquis colonies were gonna declare themselves an independent nation and and then they find all these dead bodies and he's like well i i failed them and cisco is like well you know maybe we all failed them which is a big moment and they're coming to terms with each other i guess Uh, well wait i'm i think i'm getting this now the problem with this episode i mean there's there's a lot of but the problem the, the specific problem with this episode is that it's pitched after the important shit already happened. Like the Dominion or the Maquis getting wiped out. This episode would have been better if Cisco was trying to save the remaining Maquis. Well, turns out he is. Well, but like there's like 15 of them. But like I like that it happened in the background, honestly. You like the scenes where the you like that five minute scene, the wrap up scene at the end of the movie? 
<laughs> they, I know. I'm, I'm not getting there. I'm talking about everything before that. But no, the the end of this episode doesn't have anything to do with the Maki plot. It's it's all about Cisco coming to terms with Eddington, kind of wonky. I guess my point is that the important stuff has already happened. There is no even once they get there, there are no anybody to do like. You think that the plot is about one thing, and when you get there, you find out that it's about nothing. <laughs> like you find, like, like it's it's about saving people. It's literally about ten people left from the Maquis, and that Eddington had a wife. Yeah, and that's really all there is to it. Where if think for a minute, like if the episode was pitched, where he has to get eddington to help him actually save the remaining like i guess thousands or hundreds of thousands you know whatever how many maquis there were let's say thousands thousands of maquis left to like help them and then fail and edit you know like there is a lot like well part of that's it pathos is pathos in that but this is just like it's a you think the episode's about one thing and then it's a misdirection and really you show up and it's the the ending five minutes of any movie where everybody goes like well, this was, we learned a lot of, you know, and then, and then at the end, it's just like a quick little skirmish so that Eddington can die. Well, the other, but the, like they've, they didn't do any of the work to actually put the stakes into the episode. But there were, well, it wasn't just saving 10 people. They thought they were, there's, we don't know how many, potentially hundreds, not thousands, I guess, but when they're going in there to where they think is the launch site to where he puts in the codes, before they get there, and they see that these Jim Hadar are there. They see just rooms full of dead bodies. Like it's not I know. ten people. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big pet. That's where they there is pathos there. Where he's like, I failed them. Oh shit, I fucked up. And then Cisco was kind of shook by all these dead bodies. The Jim Hadar. I guess okay, okay. I, I guess I'm saying that wouldn't the episode be pitched to where? Wouldn't the episode be better if it was pitched to the people dying at the in the room instead of just coming in after? people to our dad i don't know i like this i like the reveal that i didn't mind that like there were no missiles were there i'm not saying that i'm saying that there is no what could cisco do like there's no decisions that cisco had to make there's no right well the, like he really is just there to bear witness to eddington is no longer a character on the show anymore well the the i failed them maybe we all failed them line isn't talking about i failed them just now he's just talking about the conflict he's saying that i should have done something like what three months ago when they were getting wiped out? No, he's he's saying when he's saying we all he's saying maybe in this whole fucking conflict with the Maquis, maybe we does he say something about a lot of time and soul searching? Yeah, like it's not just like maybe I fucked up three months ago and this he's, maybe we failed each other, maybe we all failed them. Like maybe the whole Maquis existence and conflict with the Federation was a failure on all our parts. And that we're all going to have to think about this because I'm shook by all these dead people that Jim and R just killed. And then they go through and open a thing, and then like there's ten leaders left that, and including uh, Eddington's wife. And yeah, I mean, and there's okay, no so missiles. What did, what did this, Cisco? What does? What did Cisco do in this episode? He went he, and got a bad guy to help him stop something that what that didn't need to be stopped. And then had his dick in his hand thinking, man, I should have, like, we'll have to look at how history looks at all this at the end. <sighs> Boy, I wonder how history's going to. I mean, the ending when, the ending is kind of, as well, especially when they get back to the station, it's kind of a pat. But, and this is like the fallback. This, this station they're at is the fallback position for all the Maquis. And that's where, that's why the message got sent out. And the whole, so this whole episode was another con from Eddington to get to his people, basically. And he's like, oh, man, if I hadn't forced you, what would you have done? And Eddington's like, oh, well, I would have volunteered, but I played you like a fool, kind of. And then he's like, but it's good. The the missiles aren't going off. That's great, right? And it's like, well, that's good news, but I don't like feel, I don't like being lied to, and he just lays them out like Cisco does to people. Like, But wouldn't it be Jews. great if uh, Eddington had convicted Cisco into the plight of the Maquis in the end, finally, into where Cisco could actually do something. I mean, that would have been great, but we can't. We can't argue. I it. guess we the, can't. the point isn't for Cisco to do something. I guess the point is Cisco is the audience for for the end of the Maquis. Like he's right. he's he's there he, to bear witness. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. That that that's the whole point. Is that like we've introduced this Maquis shit? We got to wrap it up. 
We'll have Cisco be be the one yeah. the audience standing. He's like witness. Uatu the Watcher. He is right. We can't agree on ourselves between like what is the worth of the Maquis. So to to get him to switch sides and be on agree with them is gonna yeah, be hard to do for him. No, not to not agree with them, but to, to save their fucking right. to save them from annihilation. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's another thing that is kind of wonky in this episode. I'll freely admit, like uh, Rebecca Sullivan. Eddington's wife is like they killed everybody and they're shook by that but the Jim Hadar kept the leaders alive because they're gonna give the Maki leadership to the Cardassians as a gift or whatever mm-hmm. and and then she's like I bet you're gonna put us in prison aren't you Cisco and he's like well I don't know and then they just don't address what happens to those people at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> said, well, you are fucking criminals, so. <laughs> right? So, and he's like, no, nah, all right. And like, I'm rescuing you. And he's like, well, yeah. Uh, are they going to prison? I don't know. The Maquis over uh, because then, yeah, they're getting away, and then they have to fight the Jemadar, and then. Eddington takes one in the gut and then tells Cisco to make sure everybody gets on the runabout without me. And he he has a valiant romantic death where he's talking to everybody. He's pretending like he's got a bunch of people with him. He's like, Crenshaw, okay, you and Miles Crane, my buddy. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that I don't appreciate that uh, uh, Michael Eddington lived as a dramatic pretentious little cunt and died like a dramatic pretentious little cunt and so yeah. that that is a that has a satisfaction to it that, right he that dies I, that, saying rebecca's name Re- rebecca. yeah rebecca! Yeah. yeah yeah he dies uh like jean valjean maybe or something right, some right. Shit. yeah but Crenshaw, um, you and niles demetrius it sounds like it's time for a song uh, I don't know a song dead. <laughs> he doesn't sing it. And this is Rebecca. <laughs> and it was because uh, because they can't they can't do anything without a reference. It was based on the death of Steve McQueen's character from the Sand Pebbles. Oh my and, god. Oh my. Okay. All right. <laughs> of course it is. All right. Okay. And then we cut back to the station, and Nog found Kira's earring because that's what good officers do. I don't understand why that's a thing. <laughs> and. Oh. And then he gets on an elevator with uh, Martok and says, what's up, cadet? And and Kira puts her hand on her hip and says, well, what was that all about? I think (laughs) that was supposed to be a scene where Rom is just rocking it. Like, you know, like he's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like he's walking down the... uh, He should have been walking down the promenade giving everybody double guns. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Hey. Yeah, that's basically what happens. And then, then they cut back to... Uh, Dax and Cisco reminiscing about their old buddy Eddington, who wasn't such a bad guy after all. <laughs> it's like, what? That's some dumb shit. Right. I did like that Dax understands folks, and even from a Klingon perspective, it's like, well, that's a glorious death and he would have liked in defense of a romantic uh, lost cause. But they're kind of like, yeah, you know what? He was... <laughs> We were more alike than we thought, weren't we? Like, maybe <laughs> you know, we you were. You know Benjamin. Yeah, you know Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know Dex. I did call him a traitor once. <laughs> and like, once? What? <laughs> you called him a traitor over and over again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, so. All right. Well, I'm glad to be done with uh, Michael Eddington. Yeah. And then they're like, is this the end of the Maquis? Maybe. I don't know. I was like, yes, it is. I will say, yeah, okay, obviously we're done with the fucking monkey. That's like a Sherry Bobbins ending. Like, Do you think we'll ever see her again? I'm sure we will, honey. I'm sure we will. There is one more reference to the monkey in chronological order. Um, I guess there is a v- episode of Voyager called Hunters, where Chakotay oh, is given a yeah, message yeah. about them dying, uh, about well. Michael Eddington dying. Uh, well, you know, I guess it, yeah. we we were talking about Amway, and it really got me thinking that the the Ferengi version of the Maquis would be a pyramid scheme, wouldn't it? Something that <laughs> yeah. tries to operate outside of. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit, that's a great idea! I know it's Fuck. a multi-level marketing scheme. That's right, rebellion. <laughs> right. And if at the end, Chico- Frank, the, the Ferengi Chakotay gets the message, and he's like, "Damn, they were all under me. That that goes my <laughs> my sphere of influence." <laughs> That's right. Yep. 
They'll no now longer I've just be got a, Now I've got me. a whole moon full of full of soap and vitamins that I can't. <laughs> what am I to do with all this herbal life? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, anyway, I was just thinking about that. Pretty much the whole time we were talking about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's so much better than what we've been talking about. Uh, no, I'm just glad we're done with Michael Eddington. But what do you guys think that the good people of IMDb thought? Of? Well, first of all, this on your rewatch list, I already said this is a zero for me. I, I said I said my, my, my goodbyes to Michael Eddington for the uniform. <laughs> Before you met so, him. <laughs> this is a postscript that could have done like, without. This is like Stephen's last night of town. Like you, you said your goodbyes, but he didn't leave. <laughs> right. Yes. I think I'm gonna put this high on my rewatch meter. I, that's cool. I mean, because I, I think if it well it depends on again. I I couch these in different ways a lot of times, but like if I'm trying to if I'm doing a maquis watch, which you could do. Like with five or episodes and be done. If you wanted to do a quick little maquis season of Star Trek, hmm. you do that, and then this would be the end of it, right? Or I guess you could do that Voyager episode, but that why 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 do that to yourself? Because so like you start with um, some Michelle Forbes stuff, and then you go through like the right. three or four DS Nine maquis episodes, and this is the end. What would you put your this at? Is this a nine for you? If I'm doing a Maki re, uh, mini viewing, then yeah, I'd put it at I'd put it in at a nine. But if I'm not, I'd put it at a six. James, <laughs> where would you put this on any sort of rewatch I, scale? I'm gonna give it a two because Martok and Rom doing an episode of Welcome Back, Cotter is not like <laughs> the worst thing in the world to me. It's <laughs> okay. just almost the worst thing in the world. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Now, what do you guys think of the good people of IMDb think of this? Seven point seven. Oh, uh, it's probably high. Uh, seven point one. <laughs> I was gonna say that that Wade overestimated yeah. how much people like this, but he didn't. It's a seven point <laughs> six. He's pretty much he's oh, pretty damn close. <laughs> Fuck. People, people are on board with this shit. I thought it was a good episode. I think it's the Martok stuff. I think it's the the, the it's over... It's that stuff thing. happened. I mean, like, you can't watch this episode I, I and don't say, think, like... Like I said, I don't think it's a bad... I don't think this is a bad episode. I do... I just think it's not for me. This is, like, all yeah, the stuff yeah. I hate. Last week I yeah. said... Uh, last week I said Children of Time had one of the things that we haven't seen in a long time in an episode, which was ideas. Right. Um, this episode had no ideas. This was I just other, uh, than, like, other than to have a twist at the end to make all the other conversations move. Yeah, they had a twist. They had a small twist, but like half of this, this is like the you know sometimes I don't know like writers getting a rut where it's just two actors talking to each other about some shit and like and they they think it's gold or something and you can I disagree. Kind of, I, I, I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, it was it wasn't like you know 14 karat gold or anything but i liked all the i liked the cisco eddington dynamic of this episode a lot it's, do we have any final thoughts before we close this thing out it seemed like me it seemed like it wanted me to have more investment in the relationship than i had but that's just yeah all right, right. uh well, i don't i have nothing next week is uh Imper noir what is it nor what is it it's when they go to the or? it's when they go to the other deep space nine Oh yeah, Impoc Noir. Yeah, and this is—I think, if I remember correctly, this is a pretty fucking good one. Am I right? Uh, yeah, I think it's a Brian Fuller episode. It's a good, yes, it's a good episode, and it's a—it's it's a O'Brien must suffer slash Garrick episode. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think this is like the second uh, script that Brian Fuller pitched to him. Yeah, no, he didn't pitch it. Uh, uh, well, yes, he did yeah. pitch. He didn't write. Yeah, because he gets a story by, but Hans Bimler wrote it. All right. Well, oh, okay. yes, we'll definitely we're gonna because halfway through writing it, Brian Fuller was fired. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Brian Fuller's fired. <laughs> or he quit to do something else. So. <laughs> That's the story they let him tell to the Hollywood Reporter. Right. Yeah. But everybody should give us a call with your thoughts and feelings and desires <laughs> or whatever you want. I mean, this is the end of an era of the Maquis. Yeah. Um, if you want to do some, like, I, I don't want to be in charge of leading, like, a wrap-up on the Maquis, but if you 
call in, you could sort of drag us into having these sort of big, profound reflections upon the Maquis. Uh, yeah, you could you could guide our conversation about the Maquis because, uh, you know, we could argue about it forever. But if we have mm. a certain point to talk about, maybe. we'd rather argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think there's a lot that we could that could be said and discussed about the Maquis. And I am interested in having those mm. conversations with, with y'all because I'm sick of arguing with James about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to do that, you should give us a call at um, 917-408-3898 or shoot us an email um, a recording or whatever you want at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com uh, Alright. Well... Yeah. That's it for this episode of... Oh, and if you want oh. to give us money. Sorry. Oh, yes. No, go for it. Yes. <laughs> no, um, and if you do like what we do and you want to hear other things that we talk about, uh, you've heard the spiel on other podcasts, and, you know, we could use your support. We love it, and we want to give you something for it. Check us out at patreon.com slash kickersofelves for all that stuff. Yep, yep. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. For Wade, James, and myself, we need to beam out. <laughs>